0: Welcome to On Texas Football, I'm Bobby Burton alongside Paul Wadlington of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Paul and I here to talk a little uh, Texas-Alabama uh, prediction game uh, show, whatever you, we want to call this one, uh, Paul. It's uh, all Texas, all Alabama in this one. And we're going to try to go position by position or, or actually strength versus strength, whatever you want to call it, uh, where it's, you know, it, it's basically a battle between different pieces of of the teams in this game. So let's start with the first one that we want to talk about. And that is this, the Alabama run game against the Texas run defense. Let's start with that battle. And in particular, we talked before this together about it. Texas has going to have to find a way to limit Jalen Milroe, the quarterback in the run game. So talk about let's talk about that as a starting point and go from there on this matchup with Alabama on Saturday night.
1: Well, and, and Bobby, thank you. And I'm excited to do the show with you, buddy. Uh, yep. There's two aspects of Alabama's run game. There's the standard Alabama run game. And then there's the Alabama run game on a passing down, or even it begins as a pass and it becomes a run because of Jalen Milrose. So those are kind of two different categories and they both represent different issues to the defense. So let's talk about the standard Alabama running game first, uh, it's a planned run, and whether it involves the running back or Jalen Milroe or some variety of option or read, uh, I think this is actually an overlooked key to the game. People have already jumped forward to empty sets and third and nine and stopping Milroe. If Texas doesn't stop the standard Alabama running game, this there is there is no third and nine to worry about. This game's over before it starts. I think Texas is going to stop them because I love what Texas showed on defense. Uh, I love the talent level on the defensive line. I love the depth. Obviously, you have Jalen Ford. You've got a secondary that's more than willing to to put their nose in there and tackle when they need to. Most of all, Bobby, what was interesting when I watched the Middle Tennessee State-Alabama game, Alabama did not get good push on their offensive line. Uh, Alabama running backs, although they... They ran effectively. If you look at the the raw stats, they only went about a yard and a half until they had contact against Middle Tennessee State. Now, they ran through that contact sometimes. I think Texas has a little higher level defender and they're going to be a little better tacklers than what Middle Tennessee State's going to offer. Uh, That Alabama offensive line struggled a little bit with coordination, with passing off blocks, with timing, Sound familiar if you're a Texas fan. Uh, and I think that's something that they're going to clean up, but I don't think they're going to have it completely clean uh, when Texas comes to Tuscaloosa. So that standard Alabama running game, it, it's really going to be dependent upon that defensive line of scrimmage against the offensive line of scrimmage and who is able
0: to push around the other, the other group. Their center did not have a good first game. A couple of bad snaps. Uh, I talked to Tim Watts. I think you mentioned it in an article, uh, Tim Watts, the guy at, a- at Bama Online. Uh, that seems to be a, a question mark for them. Uh, you know, it's hard. Uh, you build the offensive line starting with the center out, essentially. Uh, and so if Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, uh, Alfred Collins can have a good game, I think that definitely goes a long way into stopping that standard one. The big P- the big question, though, is it so much that? Because we feel like Texas can stop the at least – mitigate the run the normal standard run game right the question is is whether or not they can really pay attention uh, to a quarterback in that situation at the same time and Jalen Milrow uh, as you pointed out in your article on uh, Inside Texas on Wednesday he is a tremendous running quarterback uh, He's he's got the difference with him is not only is he fast he's powerful he yes. breaks through arm tackles right and that's that's a different uh, animal because you can't necessarily expect a DB to tackle him one-on-one uh, all the time very easily and get him to the ground. It's going to have to be, as Sark calls it, populating the football. But what, what do you think about Texas in what you call the non-standard run game?
1: So here's where it gets interesting, right? So Alabama is going to spread Texas out. And they have – there really is – it's going to be an interaction between – their willingness to run the quarterback from spread sets or from power sets. They can do that as well. Uh, that's another ap- aspect of Jalen Milroe that's probably not been thought about, which is huge value on third and fourth and short. And also in the red zone where I think Texas is going to be quite good on defense, but very difficult to stop a quarterback running power. If that quarterback can really run and has power himself because you eliminate that extra man advantage that the defense usually has uh, near the goal line. So that could be critical. As far as the passing downs, you really, it's going to come down to unit discipline. It starts, people always talk about a spy, you know, inevitably, if there's a running quarterback, Oh, who's going to our spy going to be? The spy is 11 men playing the defense and two sidelines. That's your spy because I, I, I love Anthony Hill and his athleticism but he does not have the big game experience probably to be just a pure spy while Texas is running bail man uh, back to the quarterback man coverage, right? Simultaneously, love Jalen Catalan. That guy packs a punch. Jalen Milroe can run through him. Uh, Not every time, but if he can do it one time, that might be a 60-yard run and a killer. So I think the spy is, first of all, lane discipline and pass rush discipline from the Texas defensive line. And that starts in the middle and it goes out to the ends. People always will emphasize, Hey, the ends have to contain. Absolutely. You can't let Jalen Milrow bail out past you. However, equally the big fellas inside can't just take any old pass lane that they feel like taking. If they feel like they can get by the guy because Jalen Milrow is a better athlete than they are. And if they meet with some space in the interior, Jalen Milrow is going to run past him and he's going to go through that vacated space. And if you're running man coverage behind that, there might be 30 yards of green before Jalen Milrow runs into somebody. And uh, I don't want to run into Jalen Milrow if I'm a defensive back and he's got 30 yards of steam. So this is going to be about discipline. It's going to be about sometimes playing a little more zone coverage than we, we might like behind our front. And it's about constricting his initial options, Bobby, because... I think some of his runs on third down are not going to be called runs. They will, There will be some, but I think they're going to be, Jalen, if you don't see your first option, take off. That's, your option two is your legs. So we want Jalen Milrow to feel constricted in that pocket and a little nervous because he's not seeing open red jerseys right away to get rid of that football. And that's when a great athlete can start to get a little addled and start to make mistakes. And that's the danger of the dual threat quarterback. They pose a lot of pressure to your defense, but they always think they can bail out a bad play and that can turn against them and it can lead to big turnovers.
0: Look, we saw it in the first year Vince Young started. I mean, Vince Young was as good a running quarterback as a scramble quarterback as we've ever seen. Um, And I remember him going to Washington uh, against the Alamo or the uh, holiday bowl and couldn't move the ball against Washington state because they kind of kept him in the pocket. Same thing happened to Texas tech. Uh, There there were a number of games like that where Vince, his first year starting had to take it all in. This is Milrose's first year starting. So make him go to that second read, try to see what you can get, create some doubt in his mind about what he's supposed to be doing with the football. I think that's interesting let's keep on the defensive side of the ball and Texas defending the Alabama uh, offense. Uh, you made a, a, a good point in your article on Wednesday uh, that Alabama does not have these refined, highly refined receivers necessarily, but they've got some dudes that can fly. They Isaiah bond is a 10, meter guy. Uh, they've got other guys in in there. Jermaine Burton is more of a, a possession guy, but can get deep on you a little bit with his body. Um, they, they showed pretty decent, in my opinion, against Middle Tennessee State. They showed the capacity to get deep on you. The idea of the Alabama defense is make you protect the run or defend the run and then beat you over the top, right? Is that what Milrow is going to try to do? Because he's got plenty of arm strength, by the way. arm oh, strength well, he, he's his got problem.
1: plenty of arm strength. He is yeah. not limited as a passer. His limitations as a passer are mental processing, comfort in the offense, and accuracy when pressure. So uh, here's the thing about the Alabama offensive receivers. And and I want to make sure we talk about the tight ends because that could be a critical, I think, undercovered aspect of this matchup. But those Alabama wide receivers, if the risk of being too simplistic, they want to run a stop route or they want to run a go route. So they're running hitches, sticks, and stops, seven, eight yards upfield. They're basically scaring those defensive backs to respect their speed. They're catching the ball. They're turning around, facing up on the defender, making a move and getting yak yards after catch. So these five and six yard routes are turning into nine, eight, 11, 14 yard gains. And that just keeps the rhythm of the Alabama passing attack going. And it gives Milroe a ton of confidence when he drops back. Texas has got to strangle that. If not on every down, on some key downs. Because when Milroe does drop back and he sees bodies draped all over those short routes and they're they've got four receivers all running different levels of stick and and in routes uh he's gonna freak out a little bit because that's not the picture he saw against middle tennessee state now the question is the bama adjustment that's obvious is hey we're gonna run some some stop and go we're gonna run some some double moves and so texas has to be really disciplined and really good in that regard uh and just basically play the games of their lives as defensive backs because Milroe can hit those simple throws and i think you know texas fans i was a little jealous watching the middle tennessee state film because when the open deep routes were there Milroe was very composed and he threw a sufficient good ball accurately didn't try to do too much and they were on the money and it was a touchdown and it didn't do anything special but That's what that Alabama offense is going to be. And we've got to find a way to disrupt all that timing and rhythm that Milrow has in that passing
0: offense. You said you wanted to mention and talk about the Alabama tight ends. Uh, What, 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 what caught your attention there? And what do you want to bring up there, Paul? Uh, Bobby, that room is upgraded.
1: And, And I don't know if that was just recruiting and some time and experience or I don't know what that's about, but they had a number of tight ends. Their their sort of versatile starter is CJ Dupree. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he's about six five, two sixty, and he can catch and he can block. But the guy that turned my head was Amari Nye Black. Uh, he was a five star recruit from Florida. And every time I look at an Alabama player and I look at their history, it's always <laughs> inevitably a five star. Uh, we'll we'll cover more on that when we talk about the Alabama defense, but. This guy's about 6'4, 230. He's built a little bit more like Jatavian Sanders, except this guy runs like a wide receiver. And I think we have to be very aware of the matchups with the tight ends because when he's in the game, Nye Black, you've got to treat him like a receiver and not a tight end. Uh, he's not in there to block, he's not in there to drive anybody off the ball. He's in there for the play action game and to split the seam of the middle of your defense and, and, you know, go for a 60 yard touchdown on play action. So Texas has to be very aware of that room. I think that room is very talented and I got to say that's something that I've not heard a ton of coverage about, but I think in the off season, they really developed that group. And if there's a, if there's a, if there's a if part of this game that hasn't been dissected enough, it's probably those Alabama tight ends potentially. We'll see.
0: It's interesting. Dupree is a transfer from Maryland, I believe. And not like, like you mentioned a, a five-star, um, Each and every week, our our, uh, sponsor is going to be Gabe uh, Winslow of Mortgages by Gabe. Uh, Paul, please give uh, Gabe a shout out here if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, let me give some shots and props to Gabe, a Longhorn diehard alum. He's going to be in Tuscaloosa rooting on the horns. But if I know Gabe, if you call him on Saturday uh, during a TV timeout, he'll pick up the phone and do our mortgage for you. (laughs) Give Give him a try and give him a call. 832-557-1095, mortgagesbygabe.com. Tell him that Bobby and Paul sent you, and he will take really good care
0: of you. All right, I appreciate that, Paul. Hey, Paul, let's now flip the script and talk about the Texas offense against the Alabama defense, starting with the Texas run game, which could be hampered. We don't know if Cedric Baxter, the true freshman for Orlando, is going to be available. Jonathan Brooks got limited carries On Saturday, Jaden Blue uh, saw some action and and looked pretty good. But is he ready to go against Alabama? And, of course, Keelan Robinson played for the Crimson Tide and started his college career there before transferring to Texas two years ago.
1: Yeah, there's a little rhetorical distance between C.J. Baxter was at practice and C.J. Baxter practiced. So, Or or if he practiced, what was he doing? Was he uh, involved in – you know, hitting and and was he wearing pads or was he you know running on the sideline? So uh, we'll find out, I guess, on Saturday. Uh, I don't expect a great deal of success for the Texas running game. I'll be honest, uh, because I think when you look at these matchups, we always think about it from the Texas perspective. You got to flip. You got to flip the field, and you got to think it from the Bama perspective. If I'm Saban, I want to constrict the Texas running game and choke it off as quickly as possible. Make it a no go. Make it a negative play or a no gain throw away down for Texas such that yours has to drop back in the pocket and deal with a bunch of different blitz packages and, and try to win the game for Texas. And I think Sark is going to fight to try to have some balance and, and try to have some sort of uh, interesting, you know, little trick, maybe I don't want to say trick, but maybe a little wrinkle. In the run game, that maybe Texas can get a little mileage out of it uh, to keep Alabama off kilter. But frankly, I expect the Texas run game to be the Texas short passing game. And our execution there will go a long way in allowing potentially the Texas run game to open up later in the game.
0: Let's ask this, because this is really what you're talking about, getting the guys on the perimeter into the run game. That's essentially what you're talking about throwing bubble screens to Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, even J- J.T. Sanders. Yes, sir. Pressing them on the edges instead of up front, where Alabama has a five-star, five-star, you know, the whole – they have the gamut of what you want on the defensive front, essentially. They've got guys that can rush that are upperclassmen. They've got guys in the middle that can hold the, the line against a, a run game. So how, how does that really – activate or get activated and is alabama's defense even susceptible to that based on how nick saban historically plays his defense yeah you know
1: an interesting thing to notice bobby was that nose tackle jaheem otis has been moved to defensive end yeah and that happened in mid to late august and i think part of it was they liked it but they were getting out of tim keenan as his replacement inside at nose, t- nose tackle. Uh, he's more of a squatty guy uh, and and sort of a, a guy who could hold up against double teams, but I don't think they liked what they were getting out of Tim Smith, uh, who's a veteran player, but I don't think they were getting the pocket push they wanted. I don't think they were getting the penetration and just sort of the impact that they wanted from their front and the best Alabama defenses, although they've had some very good outside linebackers, they've had some really good players everywhere. To me, the best, elite Alabama defenses had elite defensive linemen and you know they created a lot for those edge rushers just by their presence because they demanded a double team and then suddenly you're trying to block a 245 pound outside linebacker five star with your running back or your tight end god help you and that just doesn't go well so I think that's one thing to notice Um, I also thought Alabama has a little better depth on the defensive line so I expect them to play more guys uh, in terms of the, the, the Texas running game, I'm just based on what I saw from us against Rice, particularly on the interior offensive line, I just don't see us making a lot of headway, uh, at least early in the game. Now, if Texas can use a little of that quick throw game that you talked about, Bobby, and we pair it with something that Steve Sarkeesian does not like to do, tempo. And tempo can be hard to do on the road, uh, but tempo can also shut up a crowd and it can get your offense a little rhythm and get them moving and it and maybe tire out those guys a little bit and create some indecision. And if you can do that, maybe in the third quarter, you can run the ball a little. I don't, you know, if you watch the Duke Clemson game, Bobby, yep. uh, Duke, Duke wasn't having great success running the ball early. Uh, their running game was Riley Leonard at quarterback. Uh, and then late in the game, Clemson started to flag a little bit. They started to tire, and you saw you saw Duke start to rip off big runs in just the standard running game
0: that we've seen that so often in the Big Twelve. I can't even see straight, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I, but but talk about the run game that can be created on the exterior uh, and on the perimeter, really, because that's well, what that is. I mean,
1: we don't have Jalen Milrow to create the optionality at quarterback, and yours. I think we'll we will run him a little in this game, but it's going to be done. Very judiciously, uh, you don't want to go Colt McCoy 2009, uh, running him into Marcel Darius. But uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of motion. I think you're going to see crazy formations. And I think Sabin is going to be a little hesitant to expose his secondary and really get up on those Texas receivers, at least early. Uh, and I think they're going to have to give Texas a little space to operate and get off some little quick, easy throws that will get five six eight nine yards and create a little tempo uh but you know again those things have to be executed perfectly right whether you hit a guy perfectly on his upfield shoulder as you throw that versus a little behind him is the difference between seven yard gain and negative two tackle for loss so quinn has to be sharp as a razor early and often to make that effective and viable and then you could start to expand the field. You could start to get a three-step drop, throwing on you know on time and throwing like a little you know a little uh, post, right? Something to to create a little bit of respect in that secondary. I will say this, Bobby. I think we're going to see some crazy games and and offensive formations from from this Texas offense. We have obviously I've been holding them back. Hey, newsflash! We've been prepping Alabama since. You know, August seventh. Uh, we may not be calling them Alabama when we're running some of this stuff, but it's what we're prepping it for. And the idea is to attack a little bit of an experience in the Alabama secondary. Let's uh, let's get to
0: that. Let's get to that if you don't mind, because I think that's important. It, the The Texas passing game against Alabama. It look, we think that's where Texas has to make hay. Uh, if they're going to win this game, Texas is probably going to have to.
1: Download June's journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah. So of course this being Bama, it's a five-star they're starting a true freshman five-star Micah Downs. This guy is a special player. Uh, He's going to be playing on Sundays, but that's going to be a while off until then. He's still a, a guy in a big home game, crazy pressure packed environment where there's going to be white jerseys running all over the place, doing crazy stuff that you can't get prepped for. And here is the conundrum with the Saban defense and also Kevin Steele. Although I think Kevin Steele is more likely to, to maybe have a crafted game plan. Saban is, you know, he likes his checks. He likes to install his whole defensive system in the defensive backfield. And sometimes he can't help himself, Right. And and if you're trying to check things and look to the sideline and get brain transplants in between every snap, another reason to run tempo, by the way, uh, you can get overwhelmed, even if you're a really talented player. So that I think is going to be one of Texas's goals is to break some of the rules that Bama has that say, I mean, Sarkeesian knows all these rules. He knows the Saban defense and, and kind of like the Alabama offense. When you come to Alabama as a new coordinator, you learn their ways. You don't impose yours. So Tommy Reese is, did not install his offense when he came to Bama. He learned the Alabama offense, and now he's going to put his flavor on it. The same thing with Kevin Steele. Uh, he's running the Alabama system. Now, within that, I think he might tell Sabin, hey, man, let's keep it simple on Saturday because I think the way these guys score is if they overwhelm us mentally. I think if we play four quarters of hard physical football and and I put in some nice little blitz packages up front, I, like I don't mind conceding a couple of throws or, you know, in front of us, as long as we stay sound, let's keep our two safeties deep. Let's not do too much. Let's not put too much on these guys with checks and let's just play the four quarters and, and let the better athletes win out. And at Saban, I'll, I'll be interested to see if he's open to that or if he wants to run his, you know, his pure defense, particularly on the back end. And uh, they've got a couple of potential injuries back there that may also complicate things for them.
0: We'll see. Well, what do you think of that matchup? Uh, Texas receivers, I think, are the, one of the better groups in the country. They, they have any kind of advantage in that regard against Alabama's secondary? I, I think Xavier Worthy has an advantage over any
1: defensive back in the country. Uh, I think if you get him enough time to operate, I think he's the elite I think he's he's just so quick and he's he's got he's just so fast in, in what he does. And he's very deceptive. And so I, I think that he can get open. I think he's going to be the key. Uh, Bama probably knows that. And he's probably going to get some extra attention. I think you're going to have to have Jordan Whittington really come up big in the RPO game, along with Adonai Mitchell, uh, you know, I just think that you're gonna to have to have all hands on deck. You you can't drop balls. You you've gotta exploit those opportunities when you've got them. And then the, you know, the elephant in the room, no pun intended with Bama, but you know, we have to hit some deep shots. It,
0: it what kind of game? Happen. What kind of game does Quinn Ewers have to have? 65% completion ratio. What I mean, what are you looking for from him for Texas to emerge victorious? 65% would be great. I don't think that's the benchmark, Bobby. I think it's yards
1: per attempt because we can hit 65 percent of our balls but if he's 13 for 20 for 115 yards we're just piddling around we're moving the chains a little and then we're punting and Alabama is going to be you know they're going to tire down our defense and beat us I think it's about yards per attempt whether after the catch or hitting someone on the move or You let the ball travel and the guy catches it after he's done the moving 60 yards down the field. Texas has got to average over eight yards per attempt to to really exploit this Bama defense, in my opinion. I don't think it's a completion percentage. Now, that 65% may correlate to the eight yards plus per attempt. But if if we do that at 55% completion and we still take care of the ball, well, that means we hit at least two or three big shots down the field,
0: and I'll take that. I want to talk to you a little bit in a second about special teams and have you break that down for us as well. First, I want to say thank you uh, and to our sponsor. It's just not a sponsor. This is what Paul and I do for a living. Uh, InsideTexas.com. Uh, give us a chance uh, there. Uh, right now, we have a special going: one dollar for just two or for two months of a subscription. It's a promo code only for On Texas Football Video people. OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. $1 for two months subscription. Uh, give it a try. Uh, you will have all of the info leading up to Alabama and after, as well as uh, Zena umi Zulu committed last night. Paul, the Longhorns becoming the 17th uh, pledge on the campaign for Texas recruiting. Hey, let's circle back to spe- special teams now. I'm of the opinion that Texas likely doesn't have some sort of advantage here, that Alabama doesn't have any sort of advantage here. While I think both teams have the athletes to control potentially the other team on special teams. Do you, at least in the return game, do you kind of agree with that or are you in of a different mindset? You got to think a kicker
1: named Auburn is always going to have a little psychological advantage going against Bama, Bobby. <laughs> nice. Uh, I didn't even think about that one. It, well, you know, when, when, when Texas beats Bama on a game winning field goal, it's going to be Auburn beats Bama once again. <laughs> Uh, and Gus Malzahn wasn't involved in it at all, uh, much to everyone's surprise. Yeah, I, I think they have good special teams. I think we have pretty good special teams. A- at minimum, you'll want to tie here. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry has been their punt returner. I know they also use Isaiah Bond there. Look, you can't allow them a big play on special teams. That would be a, a backbreaker. Uh, Kendrick Lodge, Corey Brooks, those are the guys I saw returning kicks. Um, they've got a good place kicker of their own in Will Richard, he's been kicking there for quite a while. And uh, by the way, oddly, Bobby, uh, keep your eyes open for commercials featuring Burt Auburn and Will Richard uh, for Goldman Sachs featuring SBA loans. These are words I never thought in the NIL era that I'd be saying, uh, but God, this is a new era. I, I don't know what to say, but that's, that's interesting. Do you think it's
0: going to be a, a split there, kind of? And that, that's—is that the hope, unless unless somebody like Keelan Robinson can can block
1: a punt? Well, that would be sweet. I mean, for Keelan on many levels, and sweet for Texas on on several levels as well. Uh, I I liked Bert Auburn how he kicked last week. Man, he looked good, and that forty nine yarder—that's right on the edge of his distance, but it split the uprights. It was accurate. He looked confident. Uh, look, he missed the 56 yarder. I, I don't care. We're not going to attempt that against Bama unless it's to win the game. Uh, we're not going to give up that field position on a miss. But that gave me some confidence that if Texas is, you know, fourth and seven on the Bama 29, maybe it's not a go for it situation necessarily, depending on the, the, the feel of the game. You could put Auburn in there and get your three points. I think points are going to be valuable in this game you know, famous last words of a fool. We're going to fast forward and it's going to be a 44-41 shootout or something. But I think points are going to be hard to come by in this game. And so I think Auburn, I, I, I
0: certainly have a lot of confidence in him going in, in into this situation. One last question for you, Paul, uh, before I get to the final, please tell me your score prediction uh, question. Is it important for either team to get out to a quick start? Because I don't think either team can come – I don't think either team is necessarily situated to come from behind really well. So what I mean by that is Jalen Milroe making him a one-dimensional quarterback and having to throw is not what Alabama wants to do. Likewise, allowing Alabama to pin its ears back on Quinn Ewers is not what Texas wants Alabama to be able to do. This is the type of game you can't have feel
1: them out drives. I mean, that's, that's – yeah, that, That's my point, right, is um, – I I also think, Bobby, because of the clock rules, if Texas is going to be doing a lot of short game passing and Bama's going to run the ball, that clock may run a little faster than we think. So those possessions become incredibly valuable. You can't have throwaway possessions in this game. Uh, In a winning script for Texas, script being the operative word, Texas comes out on offense and scores points early. Uh, and, and you try to keep scoring until the script runs out. I mean, that's kind of the reality of it. Uh, for the Texas defense, I can't imagine playing passive, let's feel them out football early and letting them drive down the field and score on their first possession. That just, that seems like a horrible way to start this football game. Give Milroe confidence, give Alabama confidence, give that defense a sense that they can let it go. Uh, just, I don't like that situation. I think if there is a more likely come from behind scenario, it might be Bama and it might be that script scenario where Texas gets the early lead, the offense sputters pretty badly, starts to turn it over, give ad, you know Bama advantageous field position. And then Bama kind of wears our defense down or just scraps for points. That's what happened last year. Uh, I think, you know, Bryce Young obviously pulling out some magical drives uh, the quarterback running hurt us last year. People forget that. Bryce Young made some really important runs on their final drive to kick the, the uh, game winning field goal. Obviously, we're going to have a different game plan, Phil Moreau. Similarly, Texas fans, I understand that yours had a wonderful first quarter against Bama. Uh, hey, I'd love to see that again. Bama's game plan was to destroy Bijan Robinson the game plan was to make him rush for two and a half yards per carry, which is exactly what they did. And it was not to run a bunch of exotic blitz packages and, and stance and, and, and stunts and, and slants where Bijan could seam you, increase you for a 70 yard run. So we're going to see a different Bama strategy. Uh, last year was last year. We're not playing this game in a time machine and, and the Bama offense is going to be different. The Bama defense is going to be different. And I think we're going to see a different ball game. I still think, Points are going to be hard to come by, and uh, I would be shocked to see either team just blow the other out of the water. You know, with with productive offense, like all four
0: quarters, that that would really surprise me. All right, it's time. We've talked enough. <laughs> all right let's get to let's get to the the, the real stuff here, Paul. Uh, what do you got for this game, Texas Alabama in Bryant Denny, six p.m. Saturday night. Which, which team you got coming out on top? After that amazing buildup, here's where the sad trombone. <laughs> wah, wah.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm confident this game will be played in the 20s. I don't think it's going to become a shootout uh, unless it goes to overtime. Uh, I think the Texas, I like the Texas defense in this matchup. I think people are actually sleeping on the horns a little bit. I've not heard people fully contextualize the Rice game correctly in terms of the defensive performance. Uh, I think the whole focus is on the Texas offense and a slow, sputtering start. That's fine, but there are other phases to the game. I like this Texas defense. And I think Pete Kwiatkowski came up with some of his best game plans against the best offenses last year. The the biggest issues I had with his game plans were against some sorry offenses that that you know worked us over a little bit running the same two or three plays. So I I expect a good game plan. I expect these guys to play like their hairs on fire on defense. Offensively, I just don't know what to expect. I, I got to be honest, Bobby. I, I could see Sarkeesian wheeling and dealing with a beautiful script early uh, and and keeping Bama off balance. I could also see some tough sledding early and tough sledding in the middle and tough sledding late. And you've got to scrap to win this football game. Uh, I think Vegas has this at seven and a half right now. I would take that for Texas. I'll take that. I'll take that touchdown and a little extra, but boy, so much of this is going to come down to mentality composure, which quarterback is going to freak out a little bit when things aren't going their way. Uh, Who's going to play four quarters? I'm just, I'm breaking out all the cliches now, Bobby, but I just think it's going to be a tough, gritty game. And, you know, I watched the game last weekend, Saturday, where the Wyoming Cowboys beat Texas Tech behind the play of a quarterback who would not make our four deep, Bobby. And it was just grit and literally just putting it on the line for the Wyoming Cowboys and, and winning, making the game happen for them. And, and I think, you know, if it's as close as I think it might be, there might be a quarterback that has to do that. And uh, I'm not sure which it
0: will be. What about you, Bobby? What do you and think? I, I went, I'm going 2017 Alabama. Okay. Um, for a lot of the re- same reasons you are, I think the Texas defense is underrated and un- underrated nationally from a perspective standpoint. Uh, at the same time, I also think the Alabama offense is a little underrated. I think that they've got some guys that can run the football. They've got big guys up front. The guys on the, on their perimeter can go get the ball deep. And so I feel like this is a lot like the 2016 Alabama team that had Jalen Hurts at quarterback and Pete Wachowski was the defensive coordinator at Washington in the college football semifinal when they played Alabama and Jalen Hurts. I think that's the type of defensive performance we will look for. I wonder if Texas can put up enough points to keep up with it. Uh, Washington lost that game 24 to 7 right I, I'm I think Texas can put more points up and perhaps keep them a little tighter I went 20 to 17 because at that point in time Jalen hurts was a little bit further along in his progress as a as a starting quarterback than what maybe Jalen Milroe is uh this weekend
1: well here's where I hope 2000 they're not like 2016 Alabama and that's the defense because yeah. that 2016 Alabama defense was my favorite of all the and defenses, much better in my opinion than the record holding 2011, 2012 units, because those units never played a quarterback with a pulse.
0: Well, uh, here's the other issue. They don't have the DBs that that 2016 unit had.
1: Those guys um, had Mickey Fitzpatrick. Am I yes. correct?
0: Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's yes. They had four guys that ended up starting, and I think were top two round picks in, in that secondary. I don't think they have those guys back there, at least not with experience like they had back then. Right. And so that would be a difference uh, and sort of why I think Texas is going to score a little bit. I just look, points are going to be at a premium. Take take the field goals when you get a chance for them. Don't uh, don't go for it on fourth and one uh, when you got points on the line. I'm a big believer in that whenever you go into uh, enemy territory in a place like uh, Bryant Denny.
1: Hey, can I offer two little color pieces to look for in the game? Absolutely. Absolutely, Paul. Number one, when tex- when Texas is on offense and they get past the 40, inside the Bama 40, or even past the 50, or around the 20, they're going to throw to the end zone. Okay, The reason they're going to do that, especially around the 20, 25-yard line, is if we get in true goal-to-go situations with Bama, I I think the field gets constricted. I don't think we can run it in. So will we have a couple of little plays down there? Yes, we will. But we'll exhaust those quickly. Sarkeesian wants to score from distance if we can. If we can sucker them uh, when we break the 50 or even get on their 20, we're going to throw to the end zone and try to score that way. Because even if we have a successful run or a successful little throw that gets us on their eight-yard line, second down... I don't know if that's a great situation for Texas as, as good as you think it will be against another defense. The other unless, way,
0: somewhere along the way, Sarkeesian's identified something with the Alabama defense that we just haven't seen. And uh, we don't know about yet. I, I, yeah, I, if there's something I, going on there, then yes. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. You can't, you can't let the receivers get their hands on you unless maybe that's AD Mitchell's though maybe that's that's who he is a goal line guy a red zone guy all right it ain't blocking on the goal line the second second piece would be
1: uh figure out and i'm sure the texas coaches have let's see who the best alabama runner is who also blocks because on third and four at the 50 yard line and they spread the field that's going to be your lead blocker on quarterback power and I think that could be a key. Maybe the Texas coaches could notice and, and maybe a tip off that, that could help some of our defensive calls. I'm just throwing
0: it out there. It might be a thing to, to notice. Got it. All right. So that's Paul Wadlington of InsideTexas.com. Uh, join us over on InsideTexas.com. We have a special going on right now, uh, two months for just $1. Uh, Paul, appreciate your columns uh, each and every uh, week on Inside Texas. I look forward to talking to you again on our Saturday conversation, Saturday in the morning, uh, every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, for Paul, I'm Bobby Burton. Thank you also to our sponsor, Mortgages by Gabe. This has been On Texas Football.